Welcome to Real Talk with Rio and Murph, most niche podcast on the internet. This week's sponsor is Long Awkward Pauses. Sorry about that. Okay, this is episode 44, and that is a wrap on round 35. Uh, I think it's been one of the better rounds in recent history, but it's staying pretty competitive for uh, multiple rounds right until last week or so. Uh, Murph, you and were heavily involved for a lot of this round, so what are your thoughts now that you've had some time to reflect? I'm just happy that uh, a certain someone didn't 3P, right? Oh, would that be me then? I would think. Yeah, it was always going to be a long shot, but then every every win's a, a bit of a long shot, and uh, it was only a very small amount of time where I thought I had a chance, and, and it was always going to be more of like maybe a chance for our realm to get involved, but it never looked like happening. So, um, yeah, back to mediocrity for me. So you're not going to go for the win the next round either? No, it's summertime for me, so uh, I'm probably going to be missing at least the first week, I think, depending on when the round starts. So not really holding up much hope at all for uh, for a big finish this time. Yeah, because I think registration opens sometime over the next week or so, right? Um, so probably looking at a start date of August 1st or late July, if I had to guess, because we're not doing a sprint round. No, I don't know. It's usually on a Saturday, isn't it? So I'm, I'm thinking um, probably the first weekend in August is my guess, around about the 5th. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, I'll, I'll be away for uh, for at least a week um, during that time. Oh, wow. Okay. So probably what that means is, uh, let's see, some sort of slow uh, converting thing, like what Faith did. Because I got to say, like what Faith did is probably a miracle. And I don't think if you were to replicate that next round, I don't think it would necessarily work. But uh, yeah, I mean, just saying that, I just want to say our guests for this week are Faith and Junk. Um, if you guys just want to say hi. Hello, everyone. <clears throat> Hello. And Rio. How did you feel about Faith's dramatic R and R? I mean, R and R goes straight to my heart personally. So Faith, uh, I was keeping an eye on with him being a, a Wood Elf um, potential converter the whole way through, and and I thought it was nuts. I I really thought it was either somebody just messing around or uh, or a complete like noob who was just um yeah just doing something ridiculous. Um, I'm glad to see it kind of came about, but. I'm shocked that it was as successful um, as, it, as it was. So, so Faith, I, I don't know if you want to kind of like talk through uh, the whole strategy that you had for yourself there. Oh, sure. So it's the first time I've ever actually played Wood Elf, and I always thought it would be a fun or interesting strat to essentially do a low forest, uh, high-teching Wood Elf with Bowman, and just kind of mixed in some diamond mines there in order to try and get an improvement edge over everyone. Um, but even some of my own realmates uh, were trying to convince me not to do it because I think it has a high probability of failure. Um, things just ended up kind of working out at the right time. Um, so yeah, I didn't even explore any forests until about 1,500 acres, uh, and then had to figure out how to move a 1,000 buildings to forest at conversion time. 
um, knowing it was pretty much a play for the last uh, two or three weeks um, where I'd be trying to attack. And uh, luckily, things were happening at the right times. I had some cover from Dan early, and I picked up some easy acres off suiciders um, that uh, kind of put me in a strong position for the end. Yeah, if I remember correctly, you hit uh, that undead twice, right? For like a thousand acres back to back or whatever. Yeah, I was going to say, him twice in 24 hours, I wasn't expecting to be able to send out the second time. I barely had enough defense um, to keep Rory from hitting me, uh, even though he had done a full suicide the second time. Um, but that's what really uh, kind of got me in a strong position. So Realm 6. So you're... Your growth is sponsored by Realm 6. Uh, and then I also picked up a big hit on Shader once he hit Worst, so uh, Realm 4 helped out there, too. Yeah, so yeah, you're just feeding on suicides left, right, and center, eh? Uh, th those were uh, two of the biggest hits for me. Uh, we're on the suicides, yep. And if we could just bring in Chunk here... Um... Chunk, what was your perspective on round one? And and I think they did come in and, and war you guys at some point, eh? Yeah, they did. They warned us relatively early on. So, um, obviously, it was pretty clear that round one was doing pretty well pretty early. And I think in particular, there was a turning point where I think Dan had about 12,000 OP at one point. And ended up being the first one to find a hit on a particularly undefended Dark Elf at the time. And I think the other fast attackers had something like 14,000 OP at the time. So he was significantly behind, I think, in OP at that moment. But then from that hit onwards, then he just got hit after hit after hit. And that made it clear to us that he just, he seemed to have very good ops support in one it seemed like they were doing a real good job and in helping him get what he needed and then yeah they our um firewalker who was soup was doing quite well as well i think um before they warred us he was probably in the number two position to dan and um so i think they were they were smart to war us at that time i think nine was in a decent position also at the time but um I right to go for us, and truth is, we just didn't have a whole lot of firepower and support to help Soup and to deal with a war. So even though I think Soup did a great job in, in doing what he could, and he pushed his OP so that Dan couldn't easily get a hit on our guys, then that was a rough war for us, because we just couldn't fight back, couldn't really do much at all other than assassinate some draftees at key times to try and keep them from hitting our guys. But um, we fed a hit early, and I was trying to keep our other guys like appraised of his OP so they build enough DP, but it was it was real tough. And uh, yeah, so that, that war did not go great. Soup got a lot of fireballs his way. We sent almost none towards Dan, and we thought he was going to run at the end of that, that we saw... At the very end of the war, when the OP bonus, the last hour of the OP bonus was going to be active, he was going to get a big war hit on one of our explorers. And that didn't happen because of Nine snaring him and suiciding him. 
and then four following up because he was then in range of like four of your bloppers which he wasn't before that hit so that was a really crucial event in my mind so we thought he was going to run until that that last second they stopped him from getting a war hit and also suicided him and opened him up to blop so that was a pivotal pivotal moment And Chunk, as a fellow Wood Elf, what what were your thoughts? Or I guess, did you even notice what Faith was kind of doing? Because I'm assuming, because I know what I do when I'm going a certain race. I try to like see what the other guys that are going the same race as me are doing and kind of keep tabs on them. Were you kind of doing that with what Faith was doing? I was kind of, though it was actually my, my realmate that ended up keeping closer tabs on him. Because truth is, like I saw what he was doing and I was like, okay, it looks like he's not converting because he was just going so high in the longbowman and so low on forest that I was like, well, if he converts, he's just going to take him forever because he's going to have to switch so much stuff. Um, but then uh, my my packmate noticed that he was actually converting. I was like, wow, is he crazy? Especially because of the, the 500 schools I thought was an interesting choice. But um, so, yeah, honestly, I, I thought it was going to go quite wrong there and faith uh did you want to go more schools than 500 or like why 500 as the number for you uh, part of me just kind of picked it since it was an even number i was trying to figure out how many techs i was going to go and hadn't decided between about uh 25 or 30 i knew the techs I needed, and then I was debating on whether or not I was also going to pick up kind of the mid-right triangle in there. Um, and then I was going to kind of make that call just based on how the pace of the round was going. And uh, since it looked like it was going uh, well enough, I decided to add those techs, and I added those uh, early on, so kind of committed to that. And then that meant I was going to go more Bowman because I knew it would be a later conversion as well. Um, but part of my hope was people would look at me, say that's a crazy strat, and just kind of ignore me, and then I wouldn't eat a lot of black ops. Well, now now we've learned our lesson, eh, Faith? Is that what you're trying to say? You taught us? Well, converter, converters can do uh, some crazy things, and some uh, some people you have to identify early, and then some people end up converting with no shot of it actually working. So usually if there's a bigger threat, people will go after that first, um, which is obviously what happened when I think Dan and Swamp ended up taking the brunt of uh, the Black Ops and the wars we were in. Um, so that can uh, clear a path, but uh, converting is also a bit of a risky strat just because it often doesn't leave enough time at the end to try and catch up. And Rio, did you think Faith was going to be able to pull this off? No, I, I kind of, um, I thought it was always going to be a long time. When I when I did see the conversion happen, I don't think you even, like, you had all the tech advantage and stuff, but um, it seems as though I think you were maybe slightly behind the, the attack and wood else anyway. They all kind of, like, had their momentum. So um, I, I think getting boosted by, like, landing those hits on, like, the suiciders and, 
once you kind of like got some momentum and you had, you also had like strong people within there that obviously really helped but i uh yeah i really didn't give it a shot it was and even even when i saw you start to release your longbowman move to a more kind of like conventional wood elf build still didn't think you would be able to get enough momentum back in there to um to really kind of become um like you know like a talking point in the round um it was just it was just well played you know especially the last like two weeks um just such a, a crazy strat and a fun strat to, to kind of see work out it was definitely a fun one to try um and yeah i think if i tried this uh 10 more times it might work one or two out of those 10 uh it just had the right round conditions for it to work yeah i think that's probably the, the key um I, I, it's a very kind of like low chance of success but when it does work out it looks fantastic but it's it's going to not like um you know like we saw like rory's troll a few rounds ago that looked one of like the most powerful strategies but it's been tried you know countless times before that been tried countless times since then and uh just takes the right circumstances i i think that's kind of the case for this i, I can't imagine too many other people um going for it and, and finding success with it And Rio, why didn't you think your uh, your slow attackers or converters or whatever was in there? Why didn't you guys come on stronger, do you think? I think ultimately there were kind of like two things working against us. And one that we just we just didn't have realm of support really at all. There was only literally only eight of us who um who were kind of like active in Discord at all. Um so we didn't have much op support. We were all pretty much self-sufficient and of the eight only one of them one of us was like exploring everyone else was kind of slow attacking so we didn't have we had even less ups um, help in that regard and then the other thing is we had a bunch of like the farm attackers that people just kept on getting hit by everybody so it meant that sometimes when you're slow attacking you just need kind of like one or two lucky hits um when everyone else is kind of sat there but when those people getting hit are in your realm you're not getting any of them so all the other slow attackers are moving ahead of you so we just always seem to be like one hit behind everyone else. And, and the only time we looked like we were going to get involved um, was when Big Bell, who was our wood elf, managed to get um, a good sized rezone hit. And he was just about to like climb up to be um, to be interesting. And then we got warred by, uh, I think it was Realm 9, who just completely like fireballed him to oblivion. And that's completely set him back. Um, so we just didn't really have uh, anything else after that. So. Yeah, we just got like one one hit, two hits behind everyone else, and just never kind of like it came good. And one of the things I wished we could have done better, but I don't see how we could have done it better, is that uh, snare hit on the kobold, who was I think the largest person in the game at the point at that point. Like, what what was everybody's uh, feelings on on that? Like, it was clearly something that was very telegraphed because we had to do it that way but what were you guys thinking was going to happen i didn't see him in my head i didn't think he was going to get hit as many times as he did no uh, so i i think when i saw it happening i i knew there was at least five or six people that were close enough to hit um hit him as soon as he got hit at least twice i think that was open it up to a load of different people and we all kind of knew if he was hit that first hour um, when he didn't have spells, 
um, we know at least one of your guys and um, and the spirit would be able to hit him. And then it was like open season. So it's just, it's kind of a shame that you weren't able to do a last second hit um, because that would have completely kind of changed everything. Um, but it was just kind of, like, it's really kind of like well pulled off. And I think I'm alone in thinking that as the largest attacker and uh, largest dominion in the game, even though he had decent spies, it's still interesting to see a snare hit can get pulled off in that way. Um, we don't often see it, and I don't think we'd like we wouldn't want to see it too often happen. But I, I definitely found it interesting that you were able to pull it off. And Faith and Chunk, uh, what's, what was your guys' uh, opinion on on that kobold getting fleeced? Uh, I had seen the war uh, declared before I went to bed, but I just hit, so I didn't think I was going to be able to do anything about it. Uh, so I just went to sleep and happened to wake up uh, shortly before uh, the undead and six ended up suiciding myth. Uh, and then I was able to kind of capitalize on that because that was kind of the big hit exchange that set up the pace for the last uh, week, week and a half of the round. I didn't really see it coming, because honestly I was a bit checked out, because the realm kind of sucked by that point in the round. Um, but I, I wasn't too surprised, because I'd seen the war happen. And I, at the time, it was a very competitive field. There were just a lot of people out there with pretty competitive OP numbers, so I'm not too surprised. Once someone started hitting him, then then he got a number of follow-ups. Yeah, now that you mention it, Faith, that uh, hit by the undead on Mithrandir, like that was that was, I guess, our kind of turning point for maybe not being able to win outright with him. You know, we had a backup plan with our explorer, but we honestly just didn't see that suicide coming because we thought that that undead would kind of want to kind of maintain balance and not feed a whole bunch of people but boy was i dead wrong <laughs> i actually yeah, think I... that's something you see sorry i think that's something you see a few times that if a hit is too big then people just react to it and they're like oh no that's scary i i have to do something about it yeah i hadn't seen that coming either um, and even when he sent out, I wasn't sure if I'd be able to hit him and stay safe um, on the full suicide, because all the suicides before that were probably more in the oversend category, where they would get hit back once or twice. But here he got pummeled like, what, nine times or something like that? Um, yeah, and I wasn't, that wasn't even on my radar. Yeah, he got hit nine times and he still finished over 5,000 acres. Isn't that wild? Yeah, that's why I'm pushing for uh, overpopulation uh, to work kind of like starvation, where you actually lose troops if you have uh, space for negative peasants. I'm not sure if that'll happen or not, but I'd like to see that. Yeah, to me, that makes sense, right? It's kind of like you're not paying your troops or something. 
Yeah, I agree. I've seen you kind of mentioned it a couple of times in the in the feedback, and I don't think many people have kind of commented on that. But it's hard to see a reason why that would be a bad idea. So, um, so I think that's probably does have a fair amount of support that idea because it was kind of crazy. Um, somebody who must have you know like negative like twenty thousand max population, um, but it just goes effectively down to zero instead. And I just want to get into some pre-round planning for both Junk and, and Faith. Uh, what were your guys' kind of like pack talks or pack strategies going into the round? And, you know, maybe what led for you guys to kind of make the race decisions that you guys did? Uh, Junk, if you want to go first. Sure. Um, ours was a little weird because this is the first time that our pack has been together with these five people that we picked up um jock and damn dread this this time around so we also i think the changes to cobalt and undead made it a little more unique that um we we weren't necessarily like not trying to be competitive but it was a bit secondary to just kind of seeing how the group worked together and and trying to get people to do stuff they wanted to do so we we did have a bit of a plan. We had a lot of talks about who would do what. And I basically put myself in the position that I was like, look, I want you guys to pick what you want to do, and I'll fill in what we need. And a lot of us were willing to do that. Um, but that is how I ended up as Wood Elf, was that I actually wasn't really planning on converting. I just knew we needed ops early round for our fast attackers. And Soup and Damdred want fast attackers. Soup wanted to try the... The Firewalker, Demdred tried the the Lycan, I think was a bold choice for his first time fast attacking. I made the same mistake myself, but um you know, you you pick what you want and pick. And uh Jock wanted to try out the undead, just see what was going on, and we decided he he committed to being basically an ops guy even though he was a slow attacker. Um, so he wasn't really trying to be competitive. He just wanted to try that out, and we thought that was fine. And Dave was just, Dave's trying to get more used to the game still, and so he was um, repeating the, the slow knocks. So we thought we had an okay setup, except we were pretty light on ops with the two fast attackers, then me as an ops who ended up going converter, um, and then a slow attacker trying to do ops. So. It it was kind of a weird setup, but that's how we were think coming into the round and thinking about things. Yeah, because usually I would see Damdred as more of like a complimentary op support guy from what yeah. I've seen from him before. Yes, and typically he has, and he offered to do that, but um it seemed like he had interest in trying attacking, so I really wanted to give him the opportunity to do that and see see how he liked it, because I'm very flexible. I like to do most roles in the game. I haven't done just a true black ops before, but I've done really all the other types of roles at this point, and I just I enjoy switching it up, so I'm happy to be a switch hitter. And Faith, uh, what were some of the discussions that uh, you guys had with your team? Uh, so this was the second time uh, this group has been together. Uh, the last one being in what round 33, so just before the draft round. And that time, 
Um, we had a we had a strong group. We did well, but we thought we were missing some uh, slower races um, where we were all kind of fast or mid game then. So we decided we were going to split between fast and slow uh, attackers, and then uh, depending on who we landed with, uh, Tidnab was going to either do ops or also be a slow attacker. Uh, we were landing primarily with randoms and with some two packs, so we weren't sure how our ops would be. So we went ahead and uh, went a uh, Knox uh, ops guy, uh, and then the randoms ended up actually being pretty strong and good for ops. So um, he may have not even needed that. Uh, and then just within uh, individual race selections, it was kind of uh, up to each person of what they wanted to try. So I decided to go with Wood Elf. Uh, worst, obviously, went with Ice. Uh, and then uh, Liz and Like are generally the fastest. So uh, Dan and Swamp Fox went with those two. And, and you guys felt like you definitely wanted to try to control the early game with, with Dan and uh, Swamp Fox? We thought it was important to be able to stay in the mix and then. Um, if we were able to either have Dan run, and he was really close to doing that, I think on two different occasions, um, they would also be providing a lot of cover for uh, Worst and myself in order to uh, grow in the uh, slower pace by forcing everyone else into training more defense and then less offense, so we would be able to grow a little bit faster, which uh, is how it ended up playing out as well. And Rio, did you guys not want to run any fast attackers at all this round? You just wanted to take it very slow? Or what was your guys' opinion? So we just we looked at who we'd landed with and um the, the three people who reacted, the the randoms. Um they they all wanted to do two of them wanted to do slow attack and one of them just wanted to be um to like explore but not necessarily do ups. So we just knew we just didn't really have like great support. Um We'd done fast attacking so often anyway, um, and it, we figured that our best chance was just to go slow. So, so we kind of just all decided, no, we'll just, we'll just go slow. That's going to give us our, our best chance, and, and without much realm support, then, um, then we can at least be like self-serving. Um, but Faith, I, I've kind of got a couple of questions just in terms of um, you guys were obviously very competitive two rounds ago, and then first was obviously competitive last round. How's how's things changed in these these last few rounds? Like, did you did you find it interesting having people on top as fast attackers, you know, defending um, that position, um, or or do you kind of like find it interesting as well, like you know, trying to chase people down from that slow attacker perspective? Because um, obviously you've seen it both sides now, and and you've clearly shown there's a there's a bit of an aptitude for your uh, for you guys in, in being able to do it and pull it off successfully now. I was going to say, I think my personal play style, I prefer trying to chase down the fast attackers. Uh, that's one of the other reasons I went Wood Elf is because it would have more turtles, so I could try and get into range if there was a runaway in a different, uh, in a different realm. Uh, that's where I'm a bit more comfortable, but the more I'm looking at it and the more we're looking at it as a group is it's nice to have people that can... Um, have an impact or a role at different stages in the game and uh, where you're not just 
kind of hoping that you can still be competitive by the time it gets to the late stages uh, for the slow attackers or converters to try and catch up. Uh, because in previous rounds, uh, even though I uh, have been able to do fairly well as a converter or a slow attacker, I've never uh, been able to get close to catching up to the fast attackers and the runaways. Um, so we just figured what kind of uh, have a mix of people in a couple of the different stages. Um, I know uh, Dan probably prefers the fast attacking style a bit more. Um, and then uh, I think Swamp tried fast attacking for the first time uh, this round, and we'll have to see what his preferences are uh, going forward. And uh, we've and, kind of we've seen Dan uh, be the victim of Black Ops uh, pretty much every round that that he's played. So, what were the kind of like thoughts in that? Were you guys concerned that he'd be open to them, or, or were you just really kind of like rolling the dice and hoping that he'd get away? Because he seemed to be pretty pretty open to the Black Ops if people went for him, which is what ended up happening. Yeah, I'm not sure how much. Um... He was planning to defend against Black Ops because, I mean, after our war with Realm 2, uh, yeah, he had a war hit lined up, which would have, in theory, catapulted him far enough into the lead where a lot of the Black Ops people would have been out of range. Um, but obviously, um, 4 and 9 put a stop to that. Um, that's one of the times you have to roll the dice, and that's one of the reasons I don't like fast attacking as much myself, is you can get black opt, you know, a week into the round, and you're kind of done at that point, and I always like being able to look forward to um, uh, success later on, um, and not being done a weekend. Do you think Dan has, like, a bumper sticker that says, please black op me? does seem to be a magnet for a lot of that. Yeah, and I know my realm specifically has, has gone after him on multiple occasions, but it's just because, you know, he chooses a play style that draws a lot of attention, right? And if you're going to play like that, then you got to be prepared for what's coming, right? Yeah, and that's always the challenge, because if you go heavy enough on black up defense, you lose the speed advantage that got you into that position to start with. Yeah, I agree. You can't really defend it. You just have to, sometimes you just have to cross your fingers and just hope they don't pick you, right? And that's, that's the real strategy. Well, that worked for us at the start when you guys went after seven instead of us, um, because it could have been a coin flip there. Um, and then you knocked out some of, obviously, our own competition when you uh, took out uh, Firewalker and Seven. Yeah, looking back at it, uh, I think it was the right decision. But, um, you know, it's just hard to say how it would have went if we would have went after you first, right? Let, knowing what I know now, um, we probably should have warred you guys right out of the gate and killed Dan immediately. And then worried about what Seven could do later, right? Because I didn't know that you guys had, like, these real powerhouses that were going to be killing everything at the end, right? 
was going to say early on, we didn't seem uh, as threatening because it looked like we just had two fast attackers and Swamp had just bounced a hit. So then it looked like there was just one that was still in it. And that's what really gave us the edge to go after seven because they had two, right? They had the Firewalker and the Lizardfolk. Yeah, so then we could argue that the bounce uh, by Swamp Fox was um, the impetus for you guys going after seven and giving us a bit more breathing room. I guess, yeah. His accidental bounce, right? Yeah, he was close to abandoning at that point as well. He was also hitting things in the middle of the night. And um, so I think it worked well since it took all the pressure off him because he knew he wasn't going to run at that point. And I guess just looking back at the round now that it's over, what what were your guys' thoughts and opinions on two of the races that really kind of saw the most amount of changes to them, right? Like Undead and, and Cobalt. Uh, Rio, if you want to go first, like what were your thoughts now that you've seen the round go by? How do you think those two races did? Uh, I think Cobalt is just, uh, it's probably a move in the right direction. Um, for me personally, I actually kind of liked the old Cobalt compared to what it is now, just because I really enjoyed having the uh, the, the flex swing that you used to get with pairing overlords on either offense or defense. So you could really kind of make things difficult for people. Um, just by by having that that giant swing between them, whereas now it's kind of that bit's gone away for for efficiency, and, and I just don't think that there's enough to it for them to really be competitive. They're just a bit of a uh, in a, in a weird gap where they're just slightly underpowered. Um, I think we we saw a few people play them. They were kind of like in the mix early, but never really looked like taking off. Um, undead at the moment, maybe they're actually uh, stronger than they seem. We'll see what the, the kind of the changes bring. But when I was looking at them, I thought they're maybe just a, a slightly weaker spirit. So if I was choosing between the two, I'd have gone with spirit. Um, and I'm surprised actually with how how well Eric um, did with them in terms of getting his undead into the position where he could pull off that giant suicide. Um, I was kind of impressed by that because um, I just didn't think that they were particularly strong enough just yet. Um, but we'll kind of see see what really happens with the uh, the changes because I know that. The, the gameplay committee are looking into that right now. Well, and I know that the one thing that frustrated me with him was, you know, besides the fact that he was targeting me and just suiciding me, uh, is the fact that he, like, suicided, what, three, four, five times? And just, like, he didn't die, which is weird to say, right? Because you can't just do that usually and not die, die, right? But I think that speaks to the position that he found himself getting into. He he really kind of played it very efficiently, very well up to that point. Um, and, you know, like, like we said, he got hit. If we said he got hit nine times, that pretty much means that he probably had like three like three hits to kind of get back into where he should have been. Um, so that's kind of like, so it's almost like three free hits of just getting additional converts. Um so I think that kind of like speaks to, to his position and just happened to be how many times you got hit initially. Um, but I think this kind of goes back to what Faith was talking about in terms of the population. Um, if you're that underpopulated, you probably should just be losing troops um, in, in a similar way to starvation. Um, I, I think that's probably going to be a, a good move if we do that. 
and that would just prevent somebody, you know, suiciding, not building, suiciding again, not building, um, kind of how it used to be in the old version, you know, the uh, Dominion Classic. Well, I almost think in Dominion Classic, he would have been scripted, right? Nine hits? Um, yeah, I mean, it depends on with the, uh, you know, with land being half, you know, like you're only losing half of the land and the other half being generated. It might depend, but yeah, definitely uh, you'd be in that realm of, um, of potentially getting close to it. I think in classic, you'd be getting scripted with about five or six hits. Um, so definitely with nine. And what were your thoughts on Cobalt uh, and Undead looking back at it now, Faith? Because I know Worst had said he was deathly afraid of the spirits and the undeads. Were you equally as terrified? Yeah, we were looking at um, threats throughout the round and. Uh, probably the biggest three we had were the Spirit and Undead in six, and then the Wood Elf in four. Uh, because if a Spirit or Undead gets on top, it's really hard to move them from that position. And they had pretty strong peasant counts going, so uh, we were worried on how that was going to go. Uh, we ended up warring six uh, for a bit in there, uh, one to get a snare hit, and then also to try and slow down their Spirit. Um, Undead, I'm curious to see how they go. Uh, it has a lot of late game potential in the right circumstances, so I think they're going to be more competitive than they were. If anything, I might be worried they're a little bit overpowered, um, but we'll have to give them another round or two to see how it actually plays out. As far as Kobold, um, I didn't look at them uh, too much other than saying that's probably not my ideal play style. Uh, we'll see what other people do with them and kind of make a judgment call after that. Like, do you just look at Kobold and think, wow, this is just too complicated? There's specs and elites and you have to build both. Like, what are your, <laughs> what are your thoughts on them? Um, I mean, I'd be interested in trying to converting Cobalt. I try conversions with most races, so that wouldn't be too much of a surprise. Uh, I think they... I'm not sure if they're more or less competitive than they had been. Um, it's a little bit of a uh, confusing race to try and gauge how quickly they can do things. I'm mainly just worried that their defense costs uh, went up too much but I'd actually have to give them a much deeper dive uh, than I have to this point. Uh, I don't run numbers uh, nearly as well as some of the people I usually pack with, so uh, I'll come up with some of the ideas and then uh, see if other people can uh, adjust some of the numbers or uh, convince me where I'm, where I'm going wrong in my thinking. And Chunk, uh, what was your thoughts on Undead and, and Kobolds? I didn't really expect Undead to do particularly well. I'd say that um, Eric's did much better than I thought that any Undead would do. And it actually surprised me that it seemed like uh, towards the middle of the round, when when he and Ruri were both looking pretty good, that he was looking as good as he, he was looking. Um, I 
it definitely seems clear to me that the the bottom feeding is a bit of a trap like people has mentioned have mentioned that there's a place for it but um it it seems like you still want to avoid it so i i'm curious to see how that because i don't think they're really bad and i also think that other changes nerfs to other races is going to help them a lot because it i think pretty much all my top choices for slower styles are either getting nerfed if these changes go through or have been nerfed recently so i think there may be a, a spot opening up for another race and maybe undead can can hop in there um with like spirit getting nerfed wood elf getting nerfed goblins already been nerfed multiple times so uh, and uh nomad getting nerfed those were really a lot of my top choices for slower strats um so that's kind of how i feel about undead with cobalt it, it's harder to say you know we didn't we didn't see a whole lot of them we didn't see a whole lot of styles i i'm kind of curious about them i think they they look decent for exploring um i'm a little more on the fence with attacking or converting i just i guess i don't know when their moment is like it seems like they're not quite fast enough to compete with fast attackers but i don't know if that means that they'd be good as like a a super fast converter or like a slow attacker who pops off very early like a more of a mid-speed attacker i just don't know where they fit in i will say for uh for the attacking kobold this round i think it's megasaurus he was the one that was like a top offense in in our range for the early part of the round and he would often be sat there for for quite a long time so he was the one for Probably like the like week two to week three, where we would constantly have to sit and wait for him. So he did have um, a fairly strong position early, but didn't seem to move as often as he should. So Cobalt could potentially be stronger than we're really kind of like giving him credit for at the moment. Um, and they are just, I think they're more straightforward to play now in terms of, you know, you have to train your pairs effectively. So it's just a case of whether you train them equally um, the whole way through consistently, consistently, or whether you do a bit of a speed burst with the. Uh, doing your specs first and, and then uh, catching up on elites later when you need a bit of efficiency. Yeah, I don't personally see how you could fast attack with them if you're going to be building the, uh, I guess it's a Taskmaster, right? So to me, it's like you have to just do spec DP with high guard towers and don't build any of those Taskmasters because they're 1,400 plat for a 3-5 unit, right? So, you know, you got to be pretty crazy as a fast attacker to try to make that work, you know? Yeah, that's it. They're so expensive. You pretty much you have to do guard towers with them. Um, I don't think there's any way going to get away from that. Um, even though homes are generally one of the best buildings for um, Cobalt, I think you just have to get guard towers. Otherwise, you're not going to be moving quickly enough to, um, to get, get in position. And and so looking at the changes for next round, what are you most surprised about, Rio? So I'm not really taking a, a big look in in the actual like the racial changes. I, I think we've kind of just touched on the, the the few of the nerfs that probably need to come in. You know, Spirit was looking extremely good. Um, probably that was my favorite to win the round um, until uh, I think Rory kept some kind of in the gas in terms of uh, going lots of specs when you probably didn't need to um, and then stalling out a little bit because his pop just wasn't quite there. Um, 
Nomad likewise was looking pretty strong, so probably needs a nerf. Um, I think the big, the interesting one is going to be how it plays out. Is going to be the um, realm assignment piece again, and I know I'm kind of very much uh, on my own in, in my thinking, and in, in that even though the realms were really huge and there weren't a large number of realms this round, which led to lots of blackout potential. Um, I saw it as the most competitive round in a long, long time. And I put that largely down to them being um, quite heavily stacked realms. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how, when we go back to, you know, just one pack per, um, per realm again, or one five pack per realm, um, because it could end up kind of like just dividing um spreading things out a little bit too much again. So that's going to be the one that I'm going to keep an eye on, I think, the most. So you'd rather have more concentration with the higher realm amounts as opposed to more realms but less concentration? Yeah, I, I think even though my realm would not active at all, more than half our realm um, didn't use Discord in any way. There's probably a rarity um, in the last few rounds where that's been the case. Most of the time, we've landed with at least a few kind of active people, and it's made it much more interesting than just kind of being only your pack and maybe one or two randoms, um, which is what it was like for a bunch of rounds before that. Um, so actually, I prefer lots more people in Discord. I think if you got ten active people in Discord, it's uh, it's way better than like six or seven. And I know my takeaway from what I'm seeing from the changes is. I guess two things that I would kind of focus on would be the orc change. I'm not sure that's helpful really in any way. It just kind of seems like something that's going to the side, you know, it's not really advancing it. It's more of like, okay, we'll just take, take a step to the side and then we'll just see if it does anything. Right. But I don't think it's going to do much. And then the dwarf change, I just like their investment bonus, you know, it just, it just kind of looks cool and has a good feeling towards it. Um, and I just didn't feel like Dwarf really needed that much of a change, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, mean, yeah. I, I mean, I was just going to say, with, with Orc, I think it's kind of like pushing them back towards speed. And, and you have to remember that Orc can be played extremely quickly. So so when there's like the four-point spec um, with a five-point elite, if you compare that to, you know, actual other fast races, it's, it's not too far off. So you could find some people play it extremely quickly and then... Uh, do uh, a bit of a, a rejig, you know, like 2,000 acres, 3,000 acres instead. So it could be interesting still. Maybe, but uh, I don't know if we'll get enough people playing it to really feel it out, to be honest. But, uh, Junk, what's your biggest takeaways from the proposed changes? I, I thought the Dwarf and Orc, orc things were interesting. I don't know how they'll go, um, but I... I don't really know a lot about those two races anyways, and I, I support the goal behind them. The goal of basically creating an, another one or two races that could compete in the speed domain of a quick converter goblin, basically. I feel like there's kind of a dead zone other than goblin in that time range, and I think it'd be nice if we could get other races there, but I don't know if those changes will quite work for that or not. Um, in terms of other changes, I don't think there were any big surprises. Um, the thing I was most surprised about was honestly the the Nomad. I think that they're quite good, but I just didn't really think they were OP, and 
showed that they needed a nerf, especially this round, like last round, then they had one really solid nomad, but um I don't know. I, I that caught me by surprise a little bit. Uh other than that, it, I kind of expected the others. I I actually don't think Wood Elf is as OP as people think it is. I think they just had a kind of perfect storm this round where they their niche was just exactly what you wanted and I think part of that was not having a runaway and I think another part is just having no competitive goblins. I think that they would have had a much harder time if we were two rounds ago with our nine competitive goblin strats. I I don't think they would have been able to compete in that scenario. And Faith, uh, what would you say some of the takeaways for you are? I was going to say, actually, I'd agree with uh, Chunk on uh, those last two points. Uh, I think Wood Elf uh, really kind of, uh, I don't think there was overpowered. They just had the right uh, round dynamics uh, that you had so many Wood Elves doing strong because there wasn't that uh, second tier attacker with goblins uh, that you often see um, forcing. Uh, the slower attacking strategies to run higher defense. Uh, and also, I didn't think uh, Nomads needed to get uh, one nerf, much less two. Um, granted, the research points uh, won't be a big one. Um, however, I think going and taking away the second um, population tech is actually going to hit them uh, a fair bit because now their homes are going to be 10% better than uh, leaving it as barren. Um, so I think they're probably going to fall uh, a bit, at least as in terms of any efficient ones. Um, beyond that, I think the most significant changes are going to be to run size and the bot defense um, more than uh, the changes to the races. And, you know, we have to really give kudos to Warpig there. I mean, he had a hell of a round for you guys, right? And did you guys really give him much uh tips for a strategy or was he all just kind of uh just doing the things he wanted to do and and you guys just kind of said okay well we'll just support you along the way um, i helped him get a sim early on um and then gave uh, a, a couple occasional pointers uh, i'm not sure how much uh, my roommates were uh, helping since i know dan had done nomad a few rounds before and did well with them so i think he probably looked at it a little closer um, but yeah, he was he was a great addition, and uh, that was a big surprise to have someone outside of her pack that was uh, keeping up and able to push offense uh, late in the game. And I think he was one of the reasons Rory had to um, kind of uh, abort attacking in order to avoid getting double or triple hit if he sent out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you guys had three great late round races there, right? Each with their own unique challenges to deal with so it was it was kind of it was kind of hard but i i want to point out the fact that uh gothia went icekin as well as worst so why didn't gothia kind of do as well as worst did real he got hit a couple of times very early on um almost like um not quite they just seemed a bit ridiculous in the hit, so I don't know. So I think it was actually Swamp Fox that hit him first, and he had he wasn't great in land size, and he had pretty decent defense. So I don't know if it was just a hit for mountains, um, 
but it was kind of like just a, a hit out of nowhere, like unexpected for him. And then he took a second hit a little while after that, and it just kind of, you know, two hits early on can really kind of like just throw your momentum. But he um, he converted in the end rather than attacking. So just um, it, it was just one of these rounds where attacking, slow attacking in particular, was um, much stronger than conver- converting anyway. So he just was never really in it. And he still finished like fairly decently, considering doing everything. But that's what really kind of derailed him early, and uh, he just kind of never recovered. Yeah, I see from his hits that he took a thousand acres off that undead too. I mean, that undead was just sponsoring people left, right, and center, eh? Well, that was the funny thing with uh, I mentioned it last time round. Um, when I did the suicide, I bounced on uh, on Shadar, and Gothi was, I think, the first person to to hit um, to Eric's, but he only left like slightly more um, defense than I did, and we were the same size. I took five hits; he didn't take any. And then the next time he hit somebody else, again, he was really, really open to, to hits, and he took no hits again. So um, he just got away with them. And uh, I guess myself and uh, and Eric didn't. Well, that's what I find. Whenever you get yourself in the TC and there's a red, you know, amount of numbers next to you, right, people are going to be sniffing around a lot more eagerly than than they otherwise would. Yeah, especially kind of like lazy attackers. Um, they'll just kind of like see somebody's been hit and, and know that they'll uh, go for it without kind of reading um, the situation elsewhere and can like take a look. At... And he's a nice gun as well, so you know it's harder to get um, the whiz ups um, if you don't have a, a whiz race yourself. So, um, but he kind of like just started to get a bit of momentum at the end, but by that point, none of us were in the picture anyway. So, but yeah, so Gothic had a good finish. In. And ultimately, all of our all of our pack and our realm finished 5,000 or above. Um, it was just a very kind of mediocre round for all of us. Yeah, there was definitely, I think most people had higher expectations than what you guys delivered, right? Yeah, you just can't. You know, at the end of the day, even even the rounds that, you know, I won two rounds recently and luck was such a factor in it. And, um, you know, we talk about Dan getting targeted with Black Ops. When I was playing Lycanthrope, I was one of three likes um, that were all fairly even and it was almost part of my plan to not look too strong early, so I was deliberately going to hold him back a little bit to to avoid that. And uh, we just had the luck that nobody was really getting targeted until the point people would come after me with Black Ops was just at the right point where I was able to get away. So I had a lot of luck in that regard. And then uh, the round before when I was playing Spirit, there was lots of Black Ops flying around, but I was always kind of like the third or fourth biggest threat. So everyone else was getting targeted until it came a point where... I was kind of too strong to really kind of stop. So luck plays such a, a huge part in getting into position um, to have a potential round win. And uh, I've had it the last couple of rounds, just didn't have it this time. And I just want to touch on something that I think Faith said, but I don't know if he did. You can confirm it for me a little bit later, your Faith. But one of the things that I think would make it interesting would... Uh, would be not seeing the initial war declaration, right? So that whole snare thing on the kobold would have been a complete surprise to most people instead of people like, you know, like sharks circling the guy that's about to jump in the water, right? Which is what happened. I think it would be a lot nicer just to see when the war becomes active and then it's a, a notification in the GTC as opposed to the initial war declaration itself. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
Yeah, I had mentioned that, and I think it was pointed out there are two main situations that would be useful for. Uh, one is um, obviously the snare hits, and then the other would be trying to get a wonder. You'd have to, um, it would give a declaring realm a 24-hour kind of head start on somebody else trying to steal a wonder. Um, so that would be interesting. I'm not sure if that would work, though. Or how that would work if there would would have, have to bring back clairvoyance or something like that. And what do you think, Chunk? Do you think that'd be a good change in the right direction? It's hard for me to think about exactly how that would play out and how that would be different. Um, I I think it's an interesting idea, um, but I'd I'd really have to think about it more to think about the differences in scenarios I've seen and how that they may play out differently. But um, I think, yeah, that might be a good idea, especially if you brought back uh, that the spell you just mentioned. Sorry, I didn't play the whole game, so I know what you're talking about. Clairvoyance, is it? Um, that could be cool. I just like it because it kind of adds a little bit of like surprise or uncertainty element because... My biggest problem with GTC is it just kind of like it's like a town crier where it's just always telling you what's always happening instead of, you know, some element of mystery or, or surprise. It's just all knowing all the time. Right. I would like to add, you know, a little bit of suspense into it instead of just everything being telegraphed. What do you think, Rio? Uh, to be honest, I, no, I kind of disagree. I, I like it. And. I do get the, the, the circumstances that, that Faith's kind of described. Um, yeah, I can see why you'd have that point of view, but I almost feel it's almost a reactionary to where having a public town cry is kind of like, you know, hurt you. So therefore you're a little bit reacting to say, oh, I wish it wasn't like this. Um, because obviously if you declare war or do the snare, everyone can see what you're doing. So with it being a zero-sum game, you know, what's good for you is bad for someone else. What's bad for you is good for someone else. So from that perspective, you don't like it. But I um, I kind of like that you, that you do see what's going on. Um, and, you know, there's always the option. You don't have to snare immediately. Um, you know, if you just kind of like declared war at, at some point and then left it a little while and then did the snare campaign later on, or, you know, you snare someone like, you know, 12 hours into war anyway, um, there's, there's nothing really stopping you from doing that. Um, well, and I, I would counter. I would counter that point by saying there's a few options that somebody could and would and should do, right? Like one, amplifying your areas immediately, right? So then you're going into super long territory and try to snare that. Good luck. And two, if you're delaying a snare campaign, the other guy's just gonna bring in a shit ton of spies in uh, in connection with amping up your areas. So you really have to be quick with the snare. Right, because otherwise, if you're a prudent, smart person, you're just going to amplify your errors, right? Because you don't want to be that guy that gets snared and hit. But you're not necessarily targeting that person, especially if they're kind of fairly well defending anyway. And wasn't he already amplifying his errors? You just going to catch him um, off guard? I don't remember if he was amplifying it at that time, but he was pre-casting it a bunch. So that's why we had to wait for like, I think it was four or five hours before we said, okay, we can do it now because we can just barely keep him snared for that final hour, which is which is what we had to do, right? But if 
And now, but if like we declared, and this is what happened with us for them for the rest of the war was they just kept amplifying their Aries, right. Or, or precasting it after like three or four hours. So it just became pretty much impossible to snare any of them. And then they all brought in spies, right. So you, you kind of have to be quick with the snare and catch somebody off guard or else it just won't work. You say that, but most of the snares that my realms have pulled off has been kind of opportunistic, like during a, a war that's already happened that we've just had, you know, for a wonder we've gone for them. So, um, and they could have been just doing it anyway. If, if you didn't have, if you weren't held within a war, then they could have been amplifying and bringing the spies in anyway. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I get that it's, it's easier to pull off if you're not at war, but you don't have to um, do it that instant minute that you first declared. And uh, with, you know, realm sizes being moved anyway and being struck down, it's probably less likely the snares are going to be kind of possible in the same way that they were this round anyway. Yeah, like that snare on the Cobalt wasn't easy. And if we didn't have the realm size we did have, there would have been zero chance of pulling it off because that guy had great spy ratios as was, right? Like, I think he had like a 0.75. Yeah, exactly. So that's probably, in all likelihood, going to be enough um, for that stage in the round um, going forward. I don't remember if he was in, in guard at all to kind of prevent people from being in range, or if that would have if that would have helped. But I, I don't think someone in his position with that kind of spy ratio would be in danger in future rounds. Okay, that's fair. So... I guess we should talk about uh, next round. Is there any races that you guys see or strategies that you guys see that could be overpowered or do you think we'll see an abundance of? Like I remember reflecting on that uh, round where we had like nine converting goblins, right? Like I didn't see that coming, right? But it happened. Is there something that we're all missing here that's going to happen next round that we should know about now? When I was looking at the races this round for stuff, like I think Ice and Wood Elf have always been in like on like top list of, of kind of like the stronger races efficiently anyway. Um, so and I don't think they they're really going to get knocked back at all. Um, I'm surprised that Goblin wasn't picked up this round because they really had a fairly minor nerf in my opinion, and they've been pretty strong for uh, for a while. So I think we might see a bounce back of them. Um, I think otherwise though. There's a, we've done a pretty decent job like the the game and gameplay committee of balancing out most of the races. Um, I think most of them got a chance in the right circumstances, and I don't think any are overwhelmingly overpowered. Um, there's definitely none that I'm kind of like thinking of the guaranteed pick for uh, you know if I'm playing as a competitive pack next round. But I, I don't know what you guys the other guys think about this. I think you're probably going to see an uptick of halfers, firewalkers, and goblins uh, due to the nerfs to Like and Liz. Uh, so you'll probably see the rest of the kind of faster races get a little more attention, and then probably a little bit less for Like and Liz would be my initial take. And Junk, what are you thinking? I, I kind of agree with what Faith just said. I don't think that those races are necessarily overpowered, but I think just the way people act, then you'll probably see more of them. 
And I think another thing that will push down Liz is the smaller realm sizes. I think people will be have to worry about Black Ops slightly less, and that makes Liz slightly less essential compared to the other fast attackers. So you think we're going to see slightly less lizard folks for next round as fast attackers is what you're thinking? Yeah, I think so. I think um, I think like Faith said that we'll we'll probably see an uptick in the the halfers and the um, firewalkers. I am not sure if Lycan will be really affected in terms of numbers. I think you got to be a little bold to pick them anyways, but I think they're still the fastest of the fast attackers. They're just difficult to play. Yeah, uh, the only thing I would say for next round with pretty high certainty is I don't think we're going to see a lot of orcs. <laughs> That's just my personal assessment because I just don't see how they really got that much better. You know, like they still suck in my view, so I don't see why they would be picked in a higher amount than usual. I think the case for Orc was that if they have a four-point spec, they need fewer units. So if you're limited by draftees, um, it's going to increase the number of units you can get, even if the cost has gone up. So if draftees are the limiting factor, that's going to give them more speed than they currently have. Do you see them working at all, Rio? Um, I think just like Face said, there's the potential for, for the speed. I think they probably, I would, yeah, I'd probably agree they got slightly weaker, at least for like the mid game overall. But that's typically the, the issue with uh, trying to play fast with a kind of like a mid speed um, race. It's the draft E numbers. It's really hard to kind of get those up. So you end up, you know, sometimes you're forced into training more elites than you want. Um, but if they do have four point spec, then. They've got potential to get the the speed early on, um, and it was a while ago now, but I remember um, um, quite a few kind of like very very fast orcs looked extremely dangerous early on. And if uh, you know if black ops aren't as prevalent next round, you may get one or two orcs going like going super fast who who can kind of get away if um, if they don't get have to worry about like fireballs and stuff like that. So. I wouldn't be surprised one way or the other, you know, if nobody picks him or if, uh, if a couple people pick him and do fairly well, uh, at least in the early round. All right, so we're getting up to just over an hour now, so I guess we could go into some final thoughts or some topics that you guys think we should have covered that we didn't. Um, and we'll start with Chunk. Uh, Chunk, uh, do you have any final thoughts or some topics that you think we should get into? Uh, I'm I'm not really sure. I'm I'm curious to see where where the future round will go. If we'll see more of a repeat of um, really fast attackers and bloppers slowing down the fast, but not. Uh, if not stop a runaway, then at least make it seem like they could have been stopped, or if we're going to revert back to 
a relatively early runaway and and have one of those rounds again. I'm I'm not sure where this is going. There's it looks like actually a decent amount of changes for a a smaller change round, and I'm I'm not sure where it will go. So I'm excited to see what people choose and and how how they do with it. And Faith. Yeah, overall, I thought it was a great round, and it was competitive going into the last week, where there were three, uh, still three different realms that were in the mix. So, um, uh, definitely enjoyed the round, and look forward to seeing uh, what the next one brings. And real, we know you're not going to win next round, but go ahead. Yeah, I think probably the, the, the other interesting thing that I've, I've noticed recently is that the number of new players are kind of uh, going around and sticking around. And, and um, you know, it's nice to see players like uh, like Chunk, who, you know, hadn't been around for a long time, who are really kind of like having a, a number of successful rounds in a row, um, you know, strong finishes. So there's kind of like uh, the, the player base has kind of developed a fair amount, I think, in the last year or so. Um, so it'd be nice to see if we are able to kind of keep on, uh, you know, nurturing new players coming in who are going to like getting in the mix early, getting involved and in, in learning the game. Uh, so it's not just, you know, a, a bunch of 30 to 40 year olds who, you know, played the game 20 years ago. Yeah. And I, I am constantly surprised that we keep seeing new folks show up in the discord and kind of stick around, you know, like to me, it just doesn't seem like one of those games that's going to grow a lot, but I think if we can, you know, just keep, adding players here and there you know every round then i think we're doing a good job like and i think cody is doing a phenomenal job with just kind of keeping everybody apprised of what's going on right like he's just a good open communicator in that respect yeah i think the other thing that's, that's kind of key as well is that the the fact that we're not sure what next round is going to look like you know we're not going to we don't know if it's going to be the same as this round same as last round same as three rounds ago the uh, the meta keeps on developing. The strategic elements keep developing. Just the mix of you know how many people are playing fast, how many people are playing slow, keeps on changing. Like you know, like you have two rounds with the exact same rules, and and they turn out completely differently. So it's it's kind of fun in that we just we just don't know what what's going to happen. And so much of the gameplay is based on what other people do and how you react to it. So I think that's what kind of keeps the game interesting for me. Well, something's keeping you interested, right? You've been around for 20-plus years. Yeah, but, you know, we, we took a small gap in between. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, the other thing I'd like to maybe touch on before we go is, is there any changes that you guys see that are glaring that should be made that are maybe not being discussed? You know, like... To me, and I'm glad I'm glad we're seeing it now, is I, I felt like spirit when it was introduced kind of felt a little overpowered. And I'm glad to seeing I'm glad we're seeing a little bit of, of changes starting to come. Right. Is there any other kind of like major changes you guys think that should uh, be studied or, or implemented? I think there is one. I'm going to put this to faith in, in a second to explain a bit more. But he he touched on in the uh, in the Discord um, rezone costs are a bit of a, a funny one. And as a wood elf, um, they're crazy how much they they are compared to you know like the uh, discounted acres for attacking. 
I've seen it from the other side where, you know, I was hitting lots of wood elves and again, having to rezone 80% forest to, to useful types because there's basically no useful um, forest buildings um, other than lumber yards, which, you know, you need like two or 3%. So um, rezone costs, are, I think, are a big one. Um, Dave, I don't know if, uh, if you got more, more on that point. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at it, and the cost of rezoning an acre was more than twice that of building uh, a cheap acre at the end of the round, which I always thought was uh, a bit out of whack. Um, now, I think one of the things I would probably propose is actually increasing building costs or decreasing the amount um, of the reduction in order to get that a little bit more in line. But when it's two and a half or three million uh, plat just to rezone from a single hit, uh, that does uh, feel really expensive and uh, definitely limits the number of targets you can uh, you can do, most notably for uh, going to be a forest race or a mountain race. Like if you're ice skinning and you're making a hit and you need to rezone 60% of the land uh, to mountain, that's still going to cost one, one and a half million kind of as a base. Um, so I'd be interested in seeing those. Um, I could uh, get onto my thoughts on uh, prestige, but that would probably uh, take this into a different direction. Uh, so I'll, I'll avoid that one. And Chunk, any thoughts on uh, rezone costs, sir? I, I have mixed feelings on that. Um, I, I feel like it is a little weird that at the end of the round that it's, it's much more expensive compared to construction, but at the same time, I kind of like having that, that incentive to hit specific land types in your hits and just having there be a slight difference in the value, even of the same size hit. I think that's a little bit interesting and I wouldn't really want to get rid of that incentive. I'm not really sure if if I really want the rezone costs to change, but I definitely see that it's a little weird, and especially with with wood elves, then it's a uh, an awkward situation where it's just so extreme how many forests they have and need. Yeah, I guess one of the proposals that I said, if if we did want to address it slightly, is you could say, you know, the person you attack, you you take a proportional um, land types from them, but maybe that discovered land that you get um, the bonus um, could be in proportion to what you have yourself. So that'll be a bit of a, a halfway um, kind of like compromise on it. That could be cool. Yeah, it seems like a uh, reasonable uh, first step that shouldn't uh, get anything out of whack. I think that would buff attackers compared to, say, converters a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it probably would. But uh, we'll have to table this discussion for another day and another panel. But I just want to say thank you to our guests, Chunk and Faith, for coming on and sharing your thoughts. I thought it was very insightful and would love to have you guys again on in the future at some point. Uh, maybe if you, Faith, if you win the round next round, maybe we'll get you on, eh? I'm probably going to be taking the next round off as well, so uh, it'll have to wait another round for that. 
Oh, does uh, Worspire and uh, the other folks know about that? Uh, I haven't played consecutive rounds in probably a year, year and a half by now. So, yeah, I think they figured that out. <laughs> so there's no surprise then, I guess. Eh? Yeah, we haven't made any plans for next round. All right. So, uh, real. it was fun. Uh, and I look forward to battling with you again next round. Hopefully, actually, you know what? I don't even know if we went to war with you guys at all this round. Come to think of it, I don't think we did. No, you didn't. We just had a we just had a couple from from different rounds. Did you guys actually end up declaring war on anybody? Yeah, we did. We uh we went for a wander and we kept the war on for uh, like four days or so, so we can get some war hits from them. So we had about three wars. Oh, Okay. Okay. So it wasn't terribly unexciting then for you. No, we weren't in position for any black ops at all. Like I said, we didn't have any black ops in our uh, in our realm. I think I might have been top mastery with uh, with three. <laughs> three mastery. All right. So uh, I guess we'll uh, see everybody in the new in the new round here, which will probably start early August sometime, sometime around the weekend, probably around the fifth would be the best guess. Um, and I just want to wish everybody a great rest of your summer and uh, we'll see you again in the new round.